good morning. My name, my name is Todd, but my friends call me Teacup. Um, uh, just, just kidding. No, nobody calls me that. Um, today we're continuing our series, What Love, as we journey through the second half of the Gospel of John. And, 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 and in this, this is the last days before Jesus went to the cross, and he then there demonstrated what amazing love he has for us when he gave his life so that we might receive eternal life. Today we're going to be in John chapter 17. And whenever I'm reading a passage of scripture, just something that I practice to help me process it as I read is just a few one, two, three steps. So after I read a passage or a chapter, I'll think through or I'll write out a one-sentence summary. And so if we were reading John 17 and we were going to think through a one-sentence summary, just, okay, what's really going on here? It's that Jesus prays just hours before going to the cross. A second thing that I'll do to help me process Scripture as I read and study it is I'll look, who are the main characters here? Well, in this passage in John 17, we have Jesus who's praying. We have God the Father who he is speaking to. And then Jesus is praying for his disciples and future believers. So those are the main characters. And then third, I'll think through what are some key verses or what are my favorite verses that jump out at me. And in John 17, there's a couple. Uh, first is verse 3. Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know God. And so to have eternal life, what does that mean? Is it just heaven? To have eternal life is to know God. And if we know God and are in a relationship with God, then we are experiencing eternal life right now. And if we're in that relationship with God right now, well then forever after, in the life after, we'll continue to have eternal life and live in that relationship with God. So verse 3 jumps out. And then verse 17 is another one that jumps out at me. And that is... Jesus prays for his disciples, and he says, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And so Jesus prays, and he says, Father, please make them holy, set them apart, transform them by, by truth. And Father, your word is truth. And so we are transformed into the image of Christ by the Spirit who works in us as, as we conform to the Word of God, which is truth. The passage that we're going to be focusing here is the last half of John 17 uh, today, and, and we're going to read that. And as we get ready to read that, beginning in verse 20, this is what's going on. Jesus prays, this was 2,000 years ago, this was hours before he would go to the cross, and Jesus prays for you. Jesus prays for me. Jesus prays for us. He prays for those who will believe. He prays for those who will become followers of his in the generations to come. It's incredible to think about how his mind and his heart was for us even then. We, today, what's life about, what's going on, we are part of God's eternal plan. And even then, he was thinking about how he would use us to work out his purposes as he continues to build his kingdom. 
verse 20. Let's get into it. I am praying not only for these disciples, that's those who were with him, that's the 12, that's those who were following him even then. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Verse 22. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. He's thinking about heaven there. Verse 25, O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. That is the word of God. Uh, that is truth that we are so thankful for. Uh, check out the screen as we process the scripture. Jesus' prayer for us that we would be one that the world might believe. A few things as we focus on unity or oneness today, a few things that we want to think about with that. Uh, first off, that Christian unity is a reality. Christian unity is a reality. Unity, uh, what is that? Uh, that is being joined together as one. That's different parts coming together as one. Christian unity. Uh, we are together. Uh, we're on the same page, or as I like to say, we're on the same side of the tree. When Jesus prays for the unity of the church, he compares it, if we look at the scripture, he compares it to the relationship he has with God the Father. Now, the Trinity, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, three persons, perfect community, perfect togetherness, perfect harmony. And as Jesus is praying, he says, look, just as we've got this perfect unity, this perfect harmony, we're completely together, Father. Just as we have this, may the church have that. May they be completely one. May they have perfect community and perfect harmony together. When people place their trust in Jesus, uh, when we come to faith in Christ, uh, we're not just uh, forever after individually following Christ, like, okay, uh, I've got to do this on my own. But when we come to faith in Christ, we become part of a greater, larger family. We become part of the, the larger family of God, the body of Christ, the church. We're not out there by ourselves, but we're with others. Uh, large scale, 
we're joined with believers from all nations and all languages, and that's incredible to think about the relationship we can have with others whom we've never met, whom we can't even speak to without a translator, that we can have uh, the greatest common bond, which is Christ and his spirit in us, and we can have a relationship with them. Now, that's large scale, but small scale. Now, small scale really affects us because that's how we interact with one another. Small scale, we experience this togetherness, this oneness within a church and with other believers that we interact with regularly, people that we actually see, people that we actually hear and talk with. Uh, We have a special bond because of not because of some other uh, shared experience or common interest, because we're all into the same things or we all look alike. We have that special relationship with other believers because the Spirit of God that unites us. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, you'll see his image on the screen. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian in the 1930s. Uh, He... uh, because of his faith, uh, stood up for Germany's Jewish population, and he fought for the purity of the church as Nazis and Hitler was rising there. Because of that, he would ultimately be arrested and executed in a concentration camp uh, just weeks before the end of World War II. Before it got to that point, though, Uh, as he uh, stood up for the Jews, as he fought for the purity of the church, he would lead an illegal uh, underground seminary. And what this was, was there was a group of believers and, and, and they were uh, uh, living uh, together and he was training them in biblical and Christian studies. Seminaries like a, a Bible college. And it was during that time, as they were doing life together, as they were worshiping together, as they were praying with one another, as they were in the here and now together, that he wrote the book Life Together. Uh, Here's a quote from that as he talks about Christian unity or brotherhood. He says, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate the more clearly we learn to recognize that the ground and strength and promise of all our fellowship is in Jesus Christ alone, the more serenely shall we think of our fellowship and pray and hope for it. He says, he says church, we've got to realize that unity, Christian unity, is just a reality. It is. That's how God made it. When we come into relationship with him, we have the spirit of God in us, and we are a part of a larger family, and we have that togetherness. We have that bond with other believers. It's, it's just how it is. So open your eyes and be thankful for that unity. Open your eyes and pray and, and work for that experience of unity. Globally, yes, we have that. But let's not overlook the reality of togetherness that we have here with one another locally. Uh, we're in this time and place. All right? Like, look, it's you and it's me. 
It's not somebody else. It's, it's Brad, all right? It's Cindy. It's David. It's Ryan. It's Todd or Teacup, uh, whatever you want to call me. It's us. We're here together in this time and place following Jesus together. And because of that, because it's you, because it's me, I am thankful for you. I'm thankful for the faith that God has given you. I'm thankful that we get to live in community with one another following Jesus Christ. Christian unity is a reality. Christian unity requires action. Christ prays for us. In verse 22, he prays, May they experience such perfect unity. May they experience such perfect unity. Uh, Christ prays, desiring not that we simply accept a concept, but that we would embrace a conduct. If we're going to be experiencing harmony with one another, uh, we need to, we need to uh, do things or behave in a way that promotes that uh, togetherness. It, it doesn't just happen by, by sitting on our hands. As the late President Teddy Roosevelt said, get action. Do something. So if we want to experience this unity, we need to do something. We need to be active in promoting it. In the New Testament, uh, there uh, is much instruction uh, for the church in how to practice this unity because it's hard. It's hard to be on the same page. It's hard to stay on the same side of the tree. It's hard in our families. We end up fighting. We end up resenting one another. It's hard to, to, to have that peaceful home that's in harmony. It's hard in the workplace. It's hard on a team that you're on to stay on the same page. We have to be very intentional and, 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 and work towards that. That's why there's such instruction in the New Testament about living that out. As we think about that, here, here's the deal. By our conduct, we're either going to be helping or hurting the experience of togetherness. By our conduct, we're either going to be helping or hurting the experience of, of togetherness in the workplace. If we are complaining about the boss, if we're uh, rude to customers and clients, if we're gossiping about other coworkers, we're hurting the harmony there in the workplace. On the flip side, and this goes for bosses, this goes for employees, this goes for everyone involved. If we're having a positive attitude, if we're looking to help one another, uh, let me help you figure out this project you're working on. Yeah, I had to deal with that last week. If we're doing that, if we're bearing with one another and being patient, even though we're all different, then we are helping that workplace atmosphere. In the family, it's, it's the same way. We're either helping or hurting and this goes for parents and the children. It's not one way. If we are short-tempered and, and raising our voice all of the time, we're hurting the harmony in the family. If we're being patient, if we're being obedient, if we're being positive and smiling every now and then, we're going to be helping the harmony in the family, the, the experience of togetherness. And the same is with the church. Let's look at some of that New Testament instruction. In Ephesians chapter 4, always be humble and gentle. 
Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Let's hold up right there for just a moment. Making allowance for each other's faults. What does that tell us? We have faults. We, we offend one another. We do things imperfectly. Make allowance for each other's faults. One of my heroes was Paul Goodwin. He was a, uh, a pastor and a seminary teacher um, who passed away uh, about a decade ago. And, and he, in mentoring me one time, talking about church experience, talking about togetherness, interacting with one another, he said, love covers a lot. Love will take care of a lot. That's what the scripture says. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Verse 3, make every effort. Unity requires action. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one spirit. That's the reality. There is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. We lived in Cleveland for several years, and there is a uh, river uh, that's famous for catching on fire multiple times there, uh, the Cuyahoga River that runs through Cleveland. And in the church that we were part of there, uh, there were some college students who were on the Cleveland State University rowing team. And so one day we were going to go watch one of their regattas. Uh, that's a boat race. And so we went down to the Cuyahoga and we were going to watch this regatta. <clears throat> now, one of these uh, students who is a, a dear friend of ours, uh, they just welcomed their third child and we stay in touch with them. Uh, one of these students uh, that was on the rowing team was Amy. And Amy, uh, she is uh, small in stature, uh, but what she would do is she would not row, she would sit, uh, yeah, there, there's a picture, uh, a coxswain uh, sits in the back of the boat and faces forward, usually someone who is smaller and lighter than the other rowers, and if you notice there, the other rowers, they are not looking at where they're going, but it's the coxswain's job to sit in the back of the boat and to look forward and to shout commands. Uh, unity on the rowing team doesn't come from everyone rowing their hardest, but from everyone submitting to a single voice, the coxswain, and rowing when they say and following those commands. Well, we're on a boat together right here. And our coxswain is Jesus. As we listen to him, he says, forgive one another. And so we row and we forgive one another. Because we're going to need to because we've all got faults and we're going to offend each other. Uh, we're going to do things imperfectly. We're going to mess up. And so we respond to Jesus when he says forgive and we do that. We listen to our coxswain. And he says, be patient with one another. He says, be gentle. And just if 
If, if, if you're rowing, and maybe you haven't been on a rowing team, but maybe you've been to the gym and you've been on one of those rowing machines, and after you do it for a while, your muscles get tired and it's hard. Well, following the commands of Jesus is not easy. Experiencing harmony with other believers is not easy. But we continue to obey even when it's difficult. And as we do that, as we listen and obey Jesus, to Jesus, we grow more and more of the same mind, the same heart, and we experience a unity, a harmony, a togetherness. Well, it's just, it's, it's, it's really sweet. It's, it's really wonderful. And that's, that's what we desire. And more than us desiring it, that's what Jesus prays for. Christian unity also has diversity. So it's a reality. We're active in experiencing it. But unity has diversity. Uh, if uh, you've got a friend that's coming over to help you on a project at uh, the house, and, and so uh, he brings his toolbox out. When he opens that toolbox up, it's not going to be a box full of hammers. Uh, that would be disappointing. Uh, instead, uh, it, you open up that toolbox, there's going to be uh, some wrenches in there, there's going to be a tape measure, there's going to be some screwdrivers, there's going to be a variety of tools that have a variety of functions uh, and uses. If you're working on an art project and you've got the paper on the table and, and, and you bring over a tub of crayons to work on this art project, most likely it's not going to be a tub full of purple crayons. Purple is a beautiful color, uh, but, but most likely there's going to be a variety of colors. There's going to be some reds, there's going to be some yellows, there's going to be some blues, greens, or my favorite color, orange. What is your favorite color? Uh, and in this church, we've got diversity. We've got students and we've got retirees. We've got accountants and we've got plumbers. We've got blue collar and management. Here among us are business owners and teachers. We've got different backgrounds and experiences. We've got different interests and favorite sports teams. But what binds us together is stronger than any shared experience or common interest. What binds us together is this. We all know that we are sinners deserving God's punishment. And we have all received God's grace as we trusted in Jesus. So what binds us together is Christ. We're united on the truth of God's word. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, we read about some of this diversity in the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's read verses 12 and 13. The scripture says this, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And here's where we see the diversity. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. 
So Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, look, you're different. You have different nationalities. You have different ethnicities. You have different backgrounds. You have different jobs. Super, wonderful, that's great, but we are all united together because of Christ. And we're all, regardless of of our differences, we are all one as the body of Christ. The scripture goes on to illustrate how uh, the different parts of the body have different roles. uh, And all the different parts work together for the good of the whole. The hand does its job. The the ear does does its job. The the knee does its part. And so in the body of Christ, we've we've got different, uh, different skills. We've got different gifts. We've got different passions. And we all work together doing our part for the greater good of the whole. Uh, uh, Think about like a a, a sports team uh, or a uh, a work team. Uh, Different players have varying skills and gifts. And the beauty of teamwork, whether it's on the, the, the playing field or in the workplace, the beauty of teamwork is when each player or employee uses their skills to accomplish the goal of the team. And what is the goal of Team Jesus? Well, this diverse and active reality of Christian unity is to point to Christ. At Holland Chapel, we say our mission is helping people find and follow Jesus. Jesus prayed... He says, may they experience such perfect unity. And here's the goal. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. So while togetherness is great and being in harmony with one another is is super, the purpose of our unity, our togetherness, isn't just that we would sit around and sing kumbaya. It's not just that we would smile and act like everything is is great in the world because it's not great in the world. We live in a broken world and there are broken hearts, there are broken relationships, there are broken people who who need Jesus who need the life that he, he gives, who need the, the togetherness that comes in being a part of the body of Christ. That's our goal. That's why we, that's why we live in harmony with one another and we bear with one another so that, so that our relationship will reflect the relationship of the Trinity, so that our unity, our togetherness will reflect that. That's why we, we serve in ministry. That's why we invite. That's why we do our part, use our gifts, use our talents, follow our passions, in, in our kingdom passions, is so that other people will be brought into the family of God. Now, there's some practical steps uh, that we can think through today as we consider unity and how Jesus prayed that we would experience it. Uh, just, just a few simple steps. Number one, as we think about the reality of Christian togetherness, um, take some time to thank God for those that you get to follow Jesus with. Thank God for the relationships you have with other believers. Thank God for your church family, uh, the people that here and now you get to follow him with. Uh, a second thing is think through what action you could take to enhance the experience of unity within your church. 
Now remember, by our actions, we're either helping or we're hurting. And it's easy to think about the person next to us and what they're doing to help or to hurt. But that's not the question. Think through what you are doing to hopefully help the experience of unity within the church. What could you do? Could you begin praying for those in your HC group? Could you begin praying for the different ministry teams? Could you begin praying for those that you worship together with each week? How could you encourage and spur one another on to continue to follow Jesus? Think through what action you could take. And then third, consider how you are contributing to our mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. Remember, Jesus prays that may they have such togetherness, such unity that other people will believe. How are you contributing to that mission? Uh, Are you serving, uh, doing your part for the greater good? Are you inviting others to come and to to see Christian community and to hear the name of Jesus proclaimed? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we believe that you are good. And we thank you for your word, which is truth. We thank you for the togetherness that we have as your followers. We thank you that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves, but that we are a part of the body of Christ. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us and strengthen us that we would be able to Uh, practice that unity by forgiving one another, by encouraging one another, by loving one another. And God, please draw more people to you that the world would believe that your kingdom would continue to grow and people would continue to experience your salvation. In the name of Jesus, amen.